Ever wonder what your parents think when their child goes through an infertility struggle? If they've never experienced it themselves, how can they relate to you to provide support and comfort? What helps and what doesn't in terms of advice and opinions? And should a parent even offer them in this situation? It's something I've always wanted to know, and in today's episode, I have a very special guest to answer those exact questions. My mom. It's something she and I have never discussed publicly, and to be completely honest, we never even shared our trying to conceive journey with her or anyone in our families until after my first miscarriage. We'll unpack our reasons why we decided to keep it a secret and if I regret that decision. We also got to chat about how relationships with parents and siblings change as a result of being a child without children. So buckle up. This episode is going to give you the perspective of a parent and help bridge the communication gap when something like this affects your family. After listening, I'd love to know your thoughts on if you think your parents would react the same way my mom did. So let's get into it. You're listening to the Life Beyond Infertility Podcast with Charlie Dice, the show that teaches you how to get unstuck from the grief and loss of infertility so that you can accept and embrace a joyful life beyond it. Welcome back to another episode of the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, my mom. We're going to jump into it here, but I'm going to let her introduce herself first, and then we're going to have a chat. So, hey, mom. Hi, Charlie. How are you? I'm good. For the listeners, can you tell a little bit about your backstory with having children obviously you have two but did you have any issues with that ever experience any sort of infertility anything like that just to start off okay well of course everyone knows i'm your mom and i obviously could have children since here you are i also of course have your younger brother and when i had you your dad and i had Tried for six or seven months, and so I was doing this, you know, taking my temperature for ovulation. But then after that, it kind of just happened naturally. And with your brother, I had no problem at all. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine who was having infertility issues was kind of upset because I said, we're not, I mean, if it happens, it happens. And then of course, it happened right away. And she was like, oh, yeah, if it happens, it happens. And then you just get pregnant just like that. And so it was really hard on her, I know. But so I can't say I had any real infertility issues. And it's kind of interesting because I did have endometriosis pretty badly. But that didn't really occur until after I had you, which is also kind of odd because normally that comes in women who don't have children. But so I can't really say I had any terrible issues with infertility now. Yeah. And the question that I want to answer or the reason that I brought you on, and I thought it would be an interesting episode for the listeners and for me is I want to answer, how does it feel on the other side? How does it feel being a parent of a child that is going through infertility? And for the listeners, for some context, Andrew and I did not tell anyone that we were even trying for a long time because, as I've mentioned in other episodes, we didn't want the opinions. We didn't want the pity if we couldn't, if things didn't happen. So we kind of kept it to ourselves for about two years 
before we got our first positive test in August of 2020. I want to dive into that question. How did you feel from a parent's perspective when you found out that we were pregnant the first time and then when you found out that I had miscarried? Well, I, like you said, I had no idea that you had been trying for any length of time or that you were trying at all. And I was, of course, very disappointing to know that you had miscarried. I mean, I never felt disappointed for myself that you wouldn't have a grandchild for me, but I was extremely heartbroken for you and Andrew. I knew how much you wanted children and how everyone around you was having kids, especially the, you know, your sisters-in-law. And so I knew that must be very difficult for both you and Andrew. So my heart just ached for the two of you. I guess that's an interesting word choice, like disappointing. And you said that you weren't disappointed in the fact that we couldn't give you grandchildren. But I'm kind of curious why you use that term with respect to us as a couple as well. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I was disappointed for the two of you because, you know, all you want for your kids is for them to be happy and for them to be fulfilled in life. And I was disappointed that you weren't able to be that. You weren't able to have a child, at least not at that time. And I didn't know that, of course, that there would be future miscarriages and that you would never be able to conceive or have a child. But it was just, I was disappointed for the two of you. I wasn't disappointed you couldn't have children. I was disappointed that wasn't something that was coming to fruition for you and Andrew. Yeah, that makes sense. Were there things that you wanted to say to me or to him specifically that you didn't because you thought that it wasn't your place? How would you suggest or recommend other parent talk to their children about this if their children decide to open up to them about it and ask for advice? Well, I think that's the key. I think you have to allow it to come from those who are experiencing the infertility because I didn't quite know what to say. I didn't know whether you wanted to talk about it. I didn't know whether I should bring it up with you. I really didn't know what to do. I kind of just took my lead from you and didn't say anything until you shared and what you wanted to with me. And then I, even then, I don't think I pried with questions. I asked some things, of course, but I think it's important to allow the person who's going through it to share on their terms. At least that's how I felt with you. And are there things that you wanted me to share with you that I didn't? I probably would have liked you to share more of your true feelings about how it was making you feel and how what you were going through emotionally, because I had no idea. You you hide things pretty well. and. Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know. But I just, a part of me always wondered if you were handling it as well as you appeared to be on the outside. And I think maybe one thing that would make it easier for us parents would be if you just allowed 
yourself to be totally open, not as far as you have to share your emotions with us and let us know how it's affecting you so that we could be there for you. I didn't feel like I could be there for you because I didn't really know what you were experiencing and how that experience was affecting you. So what I'm hearing you say is it would be helpful for parents if the child just expressed themselves a little bit more, like didn't have to share necessarily details about it, but how they were feeling emotionally. And is that, would it have been helpful if I would have just said things like, I'm sad or I'm confused or I'm, you know, hurting? What would that, what would be helpful from a parent's perspective? I think just to share genuinely what you were feeling, whether you were feeling angry because other people could seemingly have kids at the drop of a hat and and that wasn't happening at all for you, or whether you were devastated or whether exactly how you were feeling. I mean, what emotions you were going through and just to be a little more involved in the process with you so that I felt like I could be there for you more. I think one of the reasons, at least from my point of view, why I didn't, not just with you, but that was one of the reasons we kept our trying to conceive journey a secret because we didn't want pity. We didn't want people's opinions and to feel sorry for us. Because I think when you're going through that, you already feel sorry enough for yourself that you're essentially failing at this aspect of life that some people seemingly have it or it comes so easily to them. But so I think that was for me, the biggest thing is I didn't want, I didn't want to see that look on your face that you were sad for me because I was already sad enough for myself, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And I can certainly understand that. But the one thing I don't like hearing is the word failure because I don't feel in any way, shape, or form that you failed anything. I think life may have failed you by not giving you the opportunity to have a child, but you didn't fail, nor did Andrew fail in any way, shape, or form. You did everything you could, but sometimes for whatever reason, whether it's a a power beyond us, There obviously was a reason that you weren't able to conceive. And so I just don't ever want you to feel like you failed because you certainly didn't fail anything and you certainly didn't fail me or anybody else or yourself. You tried. You did everything that you could do. I think that's a important distinction to make is that do some parents, and this would be a question for the listeners, like do some parents make you feel as though you did fail? Obviously, hearing your perspective, you you don't think that we did. And I certainly appreciate that. And it took us a long time to come to that realization that we didn't. But what would you say to a child if their parents were making them feel that way? Because some people, and in some cultures and some religions, it is expected that you will provide children, provide the next generation. And there are some people and cultures out there where it is looked down upon if for whatever reason you aren't able to do that. I would say to those parents that they need to go and read up and research scientifically from a science perspective 
how infertility is not something that can be controlled by anybody. Infertility is just something that happens. It's no different than getting diabetes or having a heart failure or getting cancer. There's nothing you can do to stop that, just as there's nothing you can do to cause conception if it's not happening in your body. It just, they have to realize that that is where it's not a choice. Now, if you had said we're not really trying or we aren't sure that we want children, that's different. But even then, that's not a failure because you have that right. But certainly for those who are trying and it just isn't happening because of infertility issues, those women who are suffering, thinking they're disappointing their parents or their culture or whatever it may be, need to provide scientific research showing that there isn't a thing you can do if it doesn't happen. Just like there isn't a thing you can do if you get diabetes other than to, you know, try to deal with it with whatever, you know, science has provided. Infertility is the same thing. Are you struggling to come to terms with a life that is different than the one you always envisioned? Do you have days where the grief is just too much and you just want to stay in bed all day? or can't make it till lunchtime without breaking down. Or maybe you're suffering in silence, unable to open up to anyone for fear of all the unwanted opinions and pity. Or you're afraid you'll throw your phone across the room if you see one more pregnancy announcement come across your social media feed. If this is you, I see you. I was you. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to feel this way another month, year, or decade. Book a free 30-minute strategy session with me and we'll discuss your unique situation, discuss what your goals are, and I'll give you actionable steps you can take right now to start feeling more like yourself again before infertility took over your life. To book your free session today, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode. Don't let another year go by feeling stuck, hopeless, and less than. Click the link in the show notes as soon as this episode is over. You're worth it. Now back to the show. I'd like to get your perspective because I talk to a lot of people in my position where, you know, one sibling is not able to have children and the other is. And obviously that happened on both sides of our family, Andrew and mine. So from a parent's perspective, what does that look like for you? Or do you have thoughts about that, that one of your children is seemingly able to very easily and the other is not? I think that makes it more difficult. Like I, that has to make it more difficult for you because you see your siblings and his siblings having such an easy time having children and then it's not that way for you. So Again, I that just made me feel worse for you guys because I knew that that had to make it even more difficult. I know when I wanted to conceive and other people around me were in those first several months and I wasn't, it was really disappointing. There's like a jealousy in you that these others are getting what you so desperately want So I know that has to be difficult for you. But on the other hand, I certainly couldn't not be thrilled when your brother had each of his children because I can't take anything away from them because it's not something that's happening to you. 
I was thrilled for the two of them, but at the same time, heartbroken for you. So it was kind of bittersweet, but I think it's important not to make them feel they shouldn't be happy about their blessings because you aren't sharing in those same blessings. I think that's important as well. You don't want to make one feel guilty for being able to have children because his sister can't or their sibling can't. And did he ever say anything to you about it? No, other than there were many times where he would ask, do you think Charlie's ever going to have kids? When I said, I don't know. And I really didn't know because like you said, you didn't share a lot about that. And so I didn't have much to offer. And even if I did know, I probably wouldn't have felt like it was my place to share that. That would have been your place to share that. I'm curious, did you know of any other people in our family that had had issues conceiving? I guess it maybe wasn't something that people talked about. I really don't. Like, I know that all of my mom's sisters, they all had five and six kids. They were all very fertile, obviously. And since she was one of 13, so was her family. And my dad was an only child. There weren't a whole lot of immediate relatives on the maternal side of our family for me to, you know, know about. And your dad's family as well. I mean, his mom only had one sister. And now she did have infertility problems. As you know, she adopted a child and then was only able to conceive after the adoptions. I mean, whether that's something that came from, from that part of the family or not, I don't know. But I do know that that your aunt did have issues on your paternal side of the family. Well, and I know your one sister did as well. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Yes, my sister was very much similar to you. She miscarried you know, several times. And again, they didn't share either. Even when she lost one pregnancy at like six months, she never really shared much about it. And so I don't have a lot to go on with that because she chose to keep that to keep that very private. And when we told you that we weren't going to be pursuing a biological child anymore, and I think everybody knew that we weren't going to foster or adopt or go the surrogacy route or anything like that, it just wasn't something we felt called to do. Did you have feelings around that, knowing that? we weren't going to have any biological children? I think part of me felt relieved that you no longer had to feel that pressure and disappointment every time you would miscarry or something happened or weren't able to get pregnant. So I mostly felt relief in that, and especially when I knew you were at peace with, with that decision, I never felt that you should adopt or foster or do any of those types of things unless that were truly something that were in both of your hearts. Because I myself, that would not probably have been a route I would have taken either had I not been able to have my own children. It just wasn't something that I felt moved to do. So I certainly understood that. But I was more relieved that you were at peace with it then I was disappointed in that I wasn't going to more grandchildren. The only thing I probably was maybe disappointed about is that your brother's kids didn't have the opportunity to have cousins like you did, because I know how much you and your brother enjoyed your cousins growing up. But 
that too. I mean, you live a distance away, so that wouldn't necessarily have been the way it was for you anyway. And do you see a different... I see myself having a different relationship with my brother's kids since I don't have my own kids. And I also feel like I have a different relationship with you. Obviously, I'm sure there's a change there that comes when your daughter has a child, and you'll never experience that firsthand. You have a daughter-in-law, but do you see a different relationship with my nieces and nephews from your point of view, then if I had children of my own, I may not have, you know, the opportunity with them that I do or opportunities with you that I do. I do. I think it allows us to be even closer because it it allows us to be more friends than a mother giving her daughter advice about raising kids and things like that. Uh, You know, that probably wouldn't go over too well. (laughs) What do you mean? You giving, trying to give me advice about it. Oh, no, probably not. (laughs) Not any better than it did with your brother. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, that that's true. No, but I love our relationship and I love that we can take trips together and that we can do things together and because you can't do those types of things when you have children where you have to make arrangements and then you feel bad leaving your kids behind and so forth. I think it gives us a whole lot of different opportunities. And I also think that it, your nieces and nephew, they just adore you because you do have that time for them and you can focus all your time and energy just on them when you're around them. Whereas if you had your own kids, that wouldn't be anywhere near possible the way it is. And as you know, when you're around those kids, I'm chopped liver. As they say. (laughs) As they say. (laughs) Yes. And I love that. I act like it bothers me, but all in good fun. But I do love the way they adore you, especially your oldest niece. She just thinks you are just the salt of the earth. We always joke that she's my mini me and she's like me. But if she grew up and because for a long time, I never wanted children and I didn't think I was going to have any. And I feel like I could be a mentor to her or at least a person in her life that I, I say this a lot. A lot of my mentors growing up were women that did not have children, you know, my horse trainer and there were teachers at school. And so I think it's important for young girls especially to have those types of people in their lives or see these women that are still successful, still living fulfilled lives with or without children, whether or not they want them or not. And so I hope that I can provide that for my nieces and and not nephews, but my nieces specifically to let them know that it is a choice. And if they choose to try and it doesn't happen, it's not a death sentence. Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I think girls do need to see that. They do need to see that it may not work out the way they want to, but that the way it does work out can be just as good, if not better, because I think it's actually turned out better for them in the respect that they get you all to themselves. Yeah. So if there's one thing that you would tell parents, because I actually just talked to a mother the other day whose daughter has suffered infertility, but she has not yet felt 
comfortable enough sharing that or reaching out for support. What would you tell those parents who are really struggling seeing their child struggle, but yet aren't sure what to do or what, how to support them? The best advice I can give is just to listen and let them know that they, that they are happy to listen and that they will be there in whatever capacity they need them to be there, whether it's listening, whether it's just sitting quietly, whether it's doing things with them to create a distraction. I think they need to just tell their child or daughter that they are there and that they will just be there for in whatever capacity they need them to be. Because I think to try to talk to them and be a, a mentor or advisor or whatever, that may not be what they need. Maybe they don't want to hear advice. Maybe they don't want to have your sympathy. Maybe they just want you to quietly understand and listen. And I said, if I had to do it over again, I do regret not sharing specifically with you as my mother, when we first started having or knew that we were having issues, if I had to do it over again, I would share more of that. But obviously, we can't change it. But I think from the person going through its perspective, it does help to talk about it. It does help to have a support system around you that you feel comfortable with. And so I would encourage people to share what they're comfortable sharing to the extent that it makes them know that they're not alone in it. So if I could offer any advice from the child's perspective or the person going through it, that's what I would say. And I agree. You know me. I always feel that talking things through and talking it out is the best. I feel that that you can't. You can't get rid of feelings until you've shared them. And so, however, I respected the fact that you didn't because that's what you needed to do. But yet, in my heart, I always believe that the best thing is to share, like you said, with someone that you're comfortable with, someone that you feel you can confide in. And like I said as well, you don't have to, the parent doesn't have to feel that they have the answers or that they have advice or that they have to give sympathy. The parent, can just listen and also maybe share what they know about it, like you said, th throughout their family or just to bring some perspective into it. And I think that can be helpful as well. Yeah. And I always ask all my guests this, so I'm not going to let you be off the hook just because you're my mom. But <laughs> so I always end. <laughs> no, not on this one. But I always ask at the end, what's the one piece of advice that you would say to your 18-year-old self, knowing what you know now about how life turned out for you? What would I say to my 18-year-old self? <laughs> Don't do half of what you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that's an answer. No, I would. I would say think through things a little more, probably to maybe not let your heart guide you as much. Although I'm not sure I don't still believe in that advice because you know me, I am one who follows my heart. And as much as I have hurt from it, it's also what brought me the most joy in life. So yeah, I do think you should follow your heart. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, mom, for being a part of the podcast and for the insights that you offered. It was really good for me to get because I and I'll say that, you know, my mom and I have never publicly discussed this. I no, kind of put I was her scared on to death because I had no idea what <laughs> what I was even going to say because I never really thought about it before. <laughs> but I think that's the best type of, you know, the spontaneity of it. And that brings about honesty. So I maybe forced you off guard a little bit on purpose, but I think it turned out fine. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. Thank you for your perspective. And I hope that it helps some of the listeners out there, whether you are a parent or you are the child, maybe listen back to this and see things that you could change in your relationship to maybe help it help the the situation and help be more comfortable within it. So thank you. Thanks for listening. You're incredible. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss when a new episode airs. And the other thing I want you to do after listening to this episode is this. Visit my website, charliedice.com backslash roadmap. That's where you'll find my free gift for you. It's a little download I put together with six steps you can take right now to start embracing a joyful life outside of infertility. Again, that's charliedice.com backslash roadmap.